0: coming straight from the cockpit it's another episode of lunatic fringe with the fucking pilot ready set go back in the can (laughs) for another edition of the lunatic fringe podcast and another smiling face on the other end of the line who the fuck are you and what do you do
1: Uh, Marie Clark. Um, I am from Southern California. Well, not originally Southern California. I claim to be from Minnesota, Uh, but I've been in California for 19 years. So (laughs) there we are. Never left. Thought I would. Um, I am an architect by trade. Uh, I've uh, dabbled in that for a very, very long time and most recently just switched over to the construction side of the table and now work for a contractor in pre-construction. Um, on the weekends, almost every single weekend, I'm a wingsuiter at Skydive Paris.
0: You're pretty busy lady.
1: I am. I'm nonstop. I don't know how I'm still doing this, but
0: yes, I'm <laughs> well, exhausted. <laughs> since you're an architect and and in construction, please don't look too closely at any of the studio because I have no fucking clue how I did this. It's just still standing, so it's it's all I can ask for.
1: <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I love the <laughs> what looks like a lot of sound paneling on the left hand side. So Lots of sound I... paneling
0: behind me as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's because cool. I'm in the yard. <laughs> So
1: natural acoustics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um you're basically a California local now, but you said originally from where? Minnesota. Yes, born,
1: born in Boston, lived in Buffalo, New York, lived in Arlington Heights, Illinois, uh grew up in Minnesota from fifth okay. grade on through college and then came out to California for grad school. Uh was planning on leaving on the back end of grad school and um, 2008 Things got weird in the economy, had a good job, kept it, didn't want to leave. And on the back end of that recovery, realized I had more connections in San Diego than I did anywhere else. And uh found myself here and didn't, nice. haven't gone back.
0: Well, And you said San Diego?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's San not Diego, a bad spot. Uh, no, it's not. Right now I'm up in Menifee, about 10 minutes away from the drop zone. Um, but yeah, I was in San Diego up until about two years ago.
0: Okay, I'm a I'm a fan of California because I was born and raised there, but I'm northern from San Francisco. But if I had to go somewhere in Southern California, it would be San Diego.
1: It's gorgeous. It's not a bad
0: spot. So (laughs) 2008, the uh, shit did go a little bit crazy, but either having a good job or like I was being a broke skydiver, we survived it because I had nothing they could take away. (laughs)
1: I mean that's kind of how it went for me in 2020 as well um having skydiving helped me maintain a little bit of sanity because at that point I was out of my own um had started my own firm and things got weird for me mm. um and skydivers just really helped me um figure things out and cut like let go of all the stuff that I thought I needed to have the place, the, you know, the lifestyle and, um, boyfriend Dan Pui, uh, was like, let's move back in with who I used to live with. And, make that happen and we ended up moving back up to Manatee and with annie halliwell um who's a, a professional skydiver flies the pair uh the paris otters um so we're back in annie's house and taking over two bedrooms up here <laughs> and um, she's probably trying to get us to consolidate and we just keep expanding but i mean if if it wasn't for that community and those options and that change in mindset um i'd still be paying a month, $3,000 a month with utilities in San Diego and not making any headway in terms of a financial future. Sure. It was. Well, that's
0: the crazy thing, right? Is I mean, you can be making a really good living and still be fucking broke all the time. And for skydivers, at least for when I was a full time professional skydiver, when you weren't broke, you're like, (laughs) woohoo! It's amazing, yeah. you know, I'm not, I have money, I can eat this weekend, you know, and and uh, um, you get used to not needing any of that shit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is nice, it's great if you have it. You know, I know a lot of uh, skydivers that have jobs in the real world and are extremely successful and they, you know, spend a whole lot of money to go out and jump and, and uh, they're doing great. But the flip side of that is you can be a broke skydiver working your ass off in the sport and still love every second of it.
1: Yes. yes yes so
0: yes. how did it all get started for you was it in Minnesota or did you get started in California
1: oh gosh no I mean so <laughs> I lived a, a pretty basic life up until I uh, started skydiving and I've only been skydiving for about seven years um I did not know skydiving existed <laughs> when I was in Minnesota I apparently there's a, a drop zone near Baldwin Wisconsin which I used to go to the Baldwin parades uh, with my grandparents' farm nearby, didn't know that you could be a skydiver, that you could do a tandem jump uh, until I was in San Diego. I had joined a couple of co ed soccer teams. I grew up playing soccer. That's not really a, a, a wild sport, but I grew up playing soccer, running track, that sort of thing. So certainly athletics in my past, but um, was doing that Monday, sometimes Tuesday, Friday, sometimes on the weekends, Sundays. Um, and a couple of my guy friends had another friend that was in skydiving in base jumping, and they had gotten into it as well. And they convinced a couple of the girls on the team to just give it a try. They were always talking about it. So we went and did uh, January 2nd, 2016. We went to go jump Oceanside and I did my first tandem skydive.
0: Nice. I was with Patrick. Nice, nice. Patrick, I
1: don't remember his last name, but he still finds me um every once in a while, comments on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. Um I wept softly on the plane the entire ride up. Um I thought for sure I was going to die. Um funny story, I wrote a letter saying goodbye to my parents uh, and my family I left it on my desk uh, I gave away all of the things that you would never want your parents to like find upon your demise I gave them away to all of my friends the night before they thought I was crazy that like it can't be that bad Marie everybody does this so um but I gave away all of the things that you wouldn't want your parents to find in your apartment and I wrote this letter uh I tried to like quick put together some beneficiaries I I'm sure it's not legal. It can't be a binding document. Right. Um, <laughs> printed it, signed it, left it on my desk, and uh, was up all night. Um, but I decided that because at at that point, the year before, I had started my own company. So January fifth, uh, sorry, January seventh, 2015 was the day that I went into business. I had started my own firm, and a year later, I decided you know, that was starting my own company, leaving a good job. It was a stable income mm. to go out on my own was the craziest thing I'd ever done in my life. Um, and this couldn't be crazier than that, uh, walking away from stability. And, um, so I, did it. And I jumped and I got to the ground and there's pictures of me just with like my little Minnesota mittens on and my goggles. And I'm just like looking at Patrick, like, what was that? That was the most amazing thing I've ever done. And he said to me, he goes, I didn't think we were going (laughs) to (laughs) jump.
0: It's it's funny. Skydivers uh, on the whole are were kind of weird because i mean only a skydiver at heart can put make a will and give shit away the night before a tandem skydive pretty convinced that there's a really good chance she's not going to survive this and still fucking jump i mean that's (laughs) that's i don't want to use the word stupid
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's I'm, I
0: I I get it. I've told the story a thousand times on the podcast. I had a place on the highway where I could turn around guilt free and go home if I didn't jump because I'd be freaking out every day that I was going to go jump for probably the first hundred skydives. So I get it. I completely yeah. get it. The yeah. uh, the going into your into your own business is pretty much par for the course, I would think, because they're both really scary.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I mean, I'm coming up on. Well, I think, yeah, that would be nine, nine years almost. Um, And I told myself I was going to battle through for two to three years. That was my goal, no matter what, kind of skinny down my expenses then at the time when I started. And, um, if I made it five years, great, 10 years, amazing. Awesome. Um, didn't see myself necessarily doing this for 15 years. I, I always had the plan of, I just wanted to challenge myself, see what I could do, what I was capable of learn that side, that business side of the industry. I almost went and got my MBA instead. I did it like hands-on training in on the go. Um, that's what I consider my MBA. Uh, and, um, just made made the most of it, but skydiving was kind of the same thing is sure try it, push yourself, see what happens. But yeah, it was it was an emotional journey for the first bit. Um it for was sure. it was nerve-wracking.
0: You know, it's funny that uh, um I found in my career, uh, because I was a longtime tandem instructor, that the ones that did the best were usually women and usually the ones scared shitless for you guys just kind of cope with it better especially than some big beefy guy that's trying to be macho the whole time that fucking guy's gonna melt down there's no way he's getting out of this without having some kind of a breakdown but for someone like you that's like all right i'm freaking out but i'm gonna do this anyway you've already come to grips with what's going on so you handle it so much better always
1: yeah i was i mean Hands down to my instructors, so I went to uh Skydive Paris and learned to skydive there, and um, they've been stuck with me ever since. <laughs> but uh, they, um, they the instructors were amazing. Um, they latched onto the fact that I was not going to be a huck it fuck it type of learner, um, I wasn't going to just feel it out, I very much needed to talk to them believe in them being there for me and like this whole trust thing that did not come easy for me, um, that they were going to set me up for success. Um, mm. so I cried a lot with them too. Um, but some of my instructors were great. I remember that, I think it was, uh, I mean, level four, it was out of the sky van. Um, my first skyvan exit was a level four. Um, and Mike Hoyt was my instructor. I remember that. And, Oh, I overthought that exit so hard uh we tumbled out of that sky van it took he was super patient I was just up down stop up down stop up down (laughs) stop like I could not I could not back out backwards (laughs) yeah and he we tumbled and I was trying to fix it and he got to the the ground and I was just like I was defeated I was just like I I fucked that up I was trying to fix it and I couldn't fix it and he I now with my own with an AFFI uh license. I now get it. What he was doing. He was, he goes, he looks at me and goes, no, you were fixing it. Um, I needed you to fix it my way. Um, and that makes sense to me now as an instructor, I was trying to roll away from him and he needs me. He's trying to roll me back towards him. Um, but there was that, I mean, I failed myself on my level three, Mm. I failed myself. Um,
0: I I, mean, if, That's smart though, right? If you don't think you're ready to move on, don't move on. And a lot of jumpers would, or a lot of students would never do that because they're, first off, they're embarrassed that they may have failed and they're intimidated that they're going to, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this next bit. That's, it's smart of you to do that because that's what makes a successful student at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They were, they were a joy. They were a treat. Uh, Mike King was my instructor on the up and down one. He's like uh, he was a lot bigger than me. He's like, "All right, I'm going to need you to like work hard and you need to save me. Like I don't want to lose my job today. So I'm going to need you <laughs> to like make this jump happen." And I'm just staring at him like, "Uh what do you, what, do you, what do you mean?" And yep. He's like, "Just kidding. It'll be fine. Just have fun." And so yep. it they were it was it was a treat and they've supported me ever since. They well, that's the mark of a it.
0: that's the mark of a great instructor is somebody that's able to figure out what their student needs and then cater their style to them and keep it playful, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's the,
0: that's the big thing. I always found that uh, um, when you said stuff that people didn't expect, you know, you'd have a student tandem student that would come out. So we couldn't actually die, could we? And you look them right in the eyes and go, "Oh, absolutely, we could, but we're going to have a blast doing it." And <laughs>
1: great last 60 seconds <laughs>
0: it's so disarms them. they're like oh okay well clearly this guy doesn't want to fucking die so you know but it's that it's that kind of stuff and him doing that what a great way to approach it
1: yeah i mean that the the big thing that i've you know i i don't necessarily i used to talk a lot about it and i don't talk as much about it because i think some people thought that i was too focused on it. Um, I don't necessarily think that, but I, it is definitely a part of my coaching style is, is psychology. Mm. If you aren't able to read people, uh, communicate with them, change up your game plan completely and totally um, for one particular person or a group of people, uh, I think in part that's been a portion of why I've been successful in coaching mm. and doing events is that, um, I believe in the psychological aspect of what we're all here for. Sure. Um, and that, that piece, it's not just about skill. Sure. It's you get skill based on psychology. You develop based on what you can take in and how you take it in. Of course. And a team flies in wingsuiting, a team or a sunset big way flies together well as a result, not only of the skill of who's in it, but the mindset of what everybody has to come together and work towards. Sure. And that is what makes it
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the mark of a good instructor is either being able to cater their style to the student or know when you need to pass that student on to an instructor that can give them the style that they need. I've seen instructors that take it very personally if they don't vibe with a student or if a student wants to jump with someone else. And I never thought that there was anything personal with that. They just have a better rapport with another instructor. It's nothing personal. They just have a way of explaining it to someone better. Or maybe I have a a way of explaining it better to someone else. But that was always the funnest part. And probably one of the reasons that I enjoyed tandems so very, very much was you got to play 20-minute psychologist from, you know, the time you shake hands, hello, to the time that you have to get them to trust you enough to leave an airplane. You got about twenty minutes to vibe with that person, which is fucking crazy when you think about yeah. it.
1: Who does That's that? One hell of an elevator pitch. That yeah, like, man. not only like are you, like are you just chatting away? I'm gonna I'm gonna save your life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you I used to be the first drop zone that i uh, worked at the busy drop zone was skydive las vegas and i'd say probably 40 percent of our business were japanese tourists that didn't speak english and i was always fucking floored that anyone would go to another country not speak the language and let someone throw them out of an airplane what oh. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. And this was also back when it was the flyboys era and skydivers were just scrubby and we were all kind of dirtbag, grimy. You know, the dirtier your rig was, the better a skydiver you must have been. I mean, yeah, that's hard to
1: trust. That's hard yeah. to trust for most people. <laughs> it really
0: is. So you do your first jump in San Diego, then you go through training in Paris Valley, which by the way was my first ever turbine drop zone. Um okay hell of a spot. Um when did you know shit I'm I'm proper hooked. I want to get into much more of this, not just jumping but maybe teaching and all that stuff.
1: Well, teaching I definitely put off for quite a while. Um there were a lot of people that kept encouraging me encouraging me to uh get after those ratings and I my response was never that I didn't want them. It's that I didn't want to be uncurrent and have them i don't need the ratings uh and that is something that is still true to this day i don't any of the ratings that i have i don't i don't need and that took some time to kind of let that go but i if i wanted them i could push myself to get them Mm. but i knew that i wanted to be able to use them so i am actually a newer affi in terms of working at the school because I finally came to a point when I I wanted a new challenge I wanted to uh start giving back a little bit earlier on in people's skydiving career um because it was so significant on what those instructors gave to me mm. that uh set me on this path and um but yeah initially I did not I did not have an interest necessarily in the early, coach ratings. I got my coach rating because I, I ended up in wingsuiting. That's an, an interesting aspect. I I really liked skydiving. I liked it. Um, I was not necessarily interested in wingsuiting. I told a lot of people when I first started that wingsuiting was for crazy people. Uh, a lot of my friends ended up when I first started being wingsuiters. And mm. I they were just like, well, you're here, so you're going to learn to wingsuit. I'm like, nope. No, I'm not. And then go figure 201 jumps. I put on a wingsuit and the rest is history. Uh, Thousands of jumps later. And now I'm a wingsuit coach and a wingsuiter and putting on events and doing all that stuff. But it was not what I initially thought I was going to do in the industry. I got hooked on it. I knew I wanted to continue In April, I ended up getting very, very sick, Um, kind of a weird random immune system, attacked my nervous system, Guillain-Barre, yeah, I lost feeling to both my arms and both my legs in the course of like four days, Um, yeah, it was was wild, I had no idea what was going on, the most excruciating pain um, I could comprehend uh, that. Like I was, I was barely walking. I mean, I like shuffled myself into the hospital and I was like, I, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, you picture your arms and legs. Like when you, when your arm falls asleep or your leg falls asleep, that's what it felt like, but just all over my body, like it was just burning. Oof. Um, and they figured it out, uh, over the course of several hours and admittedly admitted me immediately into the hospital, started this three to four day, um, treatment, it suppresses your immune system and kind of resets your body. And then, uh, believe it or not, your body can regrow nerves. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it deteriorates the myelin sheathing of your nerves. So I was kind of killing off or choking off my nerves. And that was that like burning sensation, I guess. But, um, I ended up coming out of that and missing it incredibly. Mm. and went into physical therapy for six, seven months um, with the intent of when I walked in, they were like, well, you know, what do you want to get back? And I was like, I want to get back to skydiving. And thankfully, that physical therapy group was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, what do you do? Because it's not something that the outside world really understands (laughs) in terms of like, what do you physically need to be able to do? And I had uh, you know, I asked a rigger and they're like, it's 22 pounds of force, potentially in terms of your cutaway handles. And so that we were working on certain exercises to get me that back. Mm. And, you know, I got to run out my landing. So like working on that agility and working on the hand strength, um, a lot of that and um, physical therapy was great. Mm. Uh, thankfully, also skydiving community came back for me in a way that I mean, six, seven months on uh narcotics. Uh, cause like I said, the pain was pretty crazy. So I was on some low-grade narcotics and then something got messed up in my prescription and I ended up getting cut off cold turkey. I was supposed to Ooh. get weaned off of it and got cut off of it cold turkey. And uh again, skydiving community to the rescue. Um yeah. and they knew exactly they're like, you need five HTP, you need this, you need that. And it's all over-the-counter like walk down the you know the the aisle in your local grocery store and you can find all this stuff sure. but all the natural the natural things that I needed to kind of boost serotonin levels and just that they also created space for me to like some days were good some days were bad oh, yeah. and that was the way it was and got back into skydiving and they got me recurrent and picked up the pieces. And at that point it was, it was a no brainer. I was, I was in skydiving for life. It's
0: funny. uh, It's funny that skydivers tend to learn so much about physical therapy and, and, uh, medical stuff and especially emergency medical stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) They're like, we got you. (laughs)
0: Oh, it's hilarious. It really is. And, and I mean, I've had the same thing. Uh, um, I've had so many surgeries and injuries over the years that I've been put on, you know, narcotics so many times for, uh, for long recoveries and long surgeries, but you know yourself, all right, it's, this is it. And I would tell everybody, look, my drugs are about to run out. So I'm going to be a prick for about a week. and then it'll get back to normal and but it's horrible right and so having a support group especially uh, a community like skydiving that'll all just go yep we're good we can handle it no problem by the way try this this and this and it's amazing because they really do help
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean support like no other and not to say that my outside non-skydiving you know community of friends wasn't a support I mean it was it was like a you know it took a a community to raise one person and get the, their life back together. Because uh, I had friends from all over, uh, you know, sending me food, hanging out with me, just watching TV, while I was recovering, um, you know, family, obviously, a huge part in that. And their kind of medical background, just helping explain what was going on and what was the long term journey, because I, I also got some misinformation out there um, as well. And, you know, family and friends kind of keeping me grounded and on the path and not giving up and
0: sure yeah. now sp- speaking of family uh you said after well before your first jump you made out a, a letter to your family did you laugh first off when you walked back in the house and saw the letter again because you're well, there.
1: <laughs> yeah, my family is a, they don't love that I skydive. It's very nerve-wracking to them, my poor mom. Um this is not in their wheelhouse of activities. Um so I think it's it's still probably hard for them to understand why I do this. Sure. Um eventually they will listen to this podcast and it'll maybe help them a little bit. <laughs> but uh they they so I I posted about my tandem skydive and they got real nervous but they're like okay um great like you did it like and and then I kind of noticed that like they never talked about it again and I think also part of this is they didn't necessarily know that you could learn to skydive like I could and so what was interesting is then months later so like after Keon beret after the recovery after recurrency and then i get like my i think it was my a license or my b license finally like i get might have been my b license i get yeah uh i get back i post again online because i kind of managed what what was out there for the first little bit but I was very excited about getting my B license and sure. posted on Facebook and my mom, I get a text message from my mom. She goes, so I take it. You didn't just do that one jump. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, and, and I was like, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, how many, how many have you done? And I'm like, uh, around, I think it was like around 70 at this point. She's like, so is this a thing? And I'm like, Yeah, this is unfortunately how you're gonna find out that this is a thing. Um, And and they they do they talk to me about it. Like they're so excited about some of the events that I've got coming up. So they're they're on board, but it's it's not in their wheelhouse of things. Sure, of course.
0: Well, it was the same same with mine. I mean, um, our generation of parents. This just was not the kind of thing that you did you didn't go hug yourself out of an airplane and how can you make a living doing this and it's dangerous and blah 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 and mine did the same thing they finally came around and they're like well fuck. this is just what he does now and they stopped worrying about it you know it used to be i'd tell them after i had finished jumping it's all good and then they didn't even need that anymore but they were relieved when i started flying planes for a living up until i told them that it's so much more shit can go wrong with a plane <laughs> than yeah. a rig i'm like you have no idea how much more trouble i'm in in the cockpit than i am if i jump out <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean now i think about it we're like let me out let me out yeah yeah to- <laughs> absolutely
0: it was so much more dangerous to to become a pilot but now i mean obviously you you decide that you're going to continue to jump but to take it as far as coach ratings and now your aff and wingsuiting i mean that's that's not even in the same yard as the wheelhouse holy shit
1: yeah, it's it's been it. A lot of it has to do with the the community that I ended up with uh, or ended up in um, Skydive Paris is is a mecca of sorts. Um, it, it's just a lot of top players in the mm. industry. and And that was true in wingsuiting as well. So when I did put on the wingsuit and and fell in love with it and I was generally decent at it. Um obviously a lot that I had to work on, but generally pretty dang good at it. And and fell in love with that. Um, but it was a weird time because it was it was tough to be a new wingsuiter. Um it <laughs> like Suits were kind of changing at that time as well, so 2017 2018 suits were becoming bigger and everybody was getting excited about it and more power and you come into the into the community and you're just this little tiny baby bird and everybody wants to try their new big suit and like, well, what do I do? I, ca- I can't keep, I can't keep up. Um, You know, you're, it's like the, the school playground philosophy. Like you want to play with the big, the big kids in the, in the neighborhood. And I was just this like small little, small little thing. And I'm only five foot two. So I certainly don't have weight and size working to my advantage either in this wingsuit. And, and I ended up kind of wanting to take the little small birds mm. and do fun things with us. I was like, okay, well, we don't we don't need to fly with those people. Like that's <laughs> fine. Um we're going to go do our own thing. And so I just started collecting little baby birds uh that wanted to fly with me and we had our own fun and uh as a result of that, I mean, I think it was uh it was a wingsuit rally that was happening at Skydive Paris and I think there there was an underestimation of how many small suits were going to show up to this and so there were a lot of big suits and then there was a handful of small suits and i ended up uh my first day organizing was at that event
0: <laughs> that's very <laughs> um, cool
1: because it was i was told like oh well we don't really maybe we don't have an organizer for you today and then more small suits showed up and i was like uh i'll i'll go fly with them, like, and then uh, put together things. And it was sink or swim that day. Sure. <laughs> and I've been getting hit ever since.
0: <laughs> That's really cool, though. I mean, and and skydiving offers those kind of um, opportunities uh, to people that just kind of happen to be in the right place with the right or close to the right skill set and the willingness to go play, right?
1: Yeah. And it was, and it was great because the, even still the mentors of that day, like were were giving me feedback, you know uh, the Katie Hanson's that, you know, I'm nervous, like the group at this event is growing and growing and growing. And she's like, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can lead seven small wingsuits. And she's like, split it up. Like, you don't have to, you just don't have to do that. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, And you know, getting feedback from Val Sobel and some of the guys too, the Scotty Bobs, the Dan Dupuis, the Will Kiddos, like those guys have taken me in and continued to push me um, to do what I do. And if I'm in over my head, especially when I started, they helped me sort it out.
0: Which is awesome. Well, I mean, you get somebody like Katie who is known for saying it exactly how it is and a very straight shooter. It's great to have that though, right? I mean, especially in a place like Paris and Paris, I think now is the same as it was back when I started jumping there. It's a place where you get to go meet, then jump with, then become friends with your heroes in the sport. It's fucking cool as hell.
1: Yes, and and now I remember, a squirrel came out with an ATC video. Um, it was their first ATC, and I was getting into the ATC, and so they interviewed me flying it. And the little tagline that they put on there was like, "No knows knows more pros than you." And I was like, oh, "No, that's so pretentious!" Like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, "I'm such an ass." Um, and and a lot of the people in the community were like, "If you don't realize it by now, that you do," like. You're,
0: I, had, you're,
1: uh, you're I had you're surrounded by that. <laughs>
0: I had a, a high end um, wingsuit pilot, actually, but a very well known jumper. Uh, I had interviewed for a, a, a column for Blue Skies Magazine, and uh, at some point, he called me a name dropper, which normally would be a bit of an insult. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, yeah, because I know a lot of really fucking cool people. I, and and ever since then, my my running joke has been the coolest thing is about me is the people I know.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, that's at this point, that is that is what I am, what I am as a result of all of the amazing people that oh, yeah. have, I've met and have supported me and pushed well, me and
0: taught and, me. And once you get to know all these people, unless you just don't use people's names, it's impossible to not be a name dropper because I just know so many fucking cool people in the sport. And it's not that I'm trying to drop names. These are just the people that I know that have done these things. And it's incredible. Speaking yeah. of wingsuiting, yeah. uh, have you been keeping up with the uh, the wingsuit league in China?
1: I have. I've got a couple friends over there. It's, oh, me too. That's, that's wild and crazy. And I don't know how you hit a target with your head, but that I mean, that precision is amazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the fact that they're it's, going for different colored rings. I've got ai have got a few friends over there as well. I just had Danny Roman on the podcast. He's actually his episode will come out next week, I think. And he's never done the target thing before. So Danny Roman, the guy that literally l- flew below his landing altitude and then landed back there, he's nervous about hitting a target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the target. Yeah. And then I'm I'm watching video of up. Nick Scalabrino that's you know showing video of him hitting the the 50 ring on the target. It's just insane.
1: Yeah. I mean, the precision is is wild. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: So yeah. you see somebody like uh uh Jenna Gigi out there doing it, does that make you want to start heading in that direction?
1: Ooh, base jumping. Oh. <laughs> um
0: You never I... see, you said you'd never wingsuit, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um there's a a so it's it's a little part of it is is mental and emotional. Um I'm sure I have the skill level to be able to do it. Mm. Um I do appreciate that I am fairly vocal that I have zero zero bass jumps. Zero. I mm.
0: yep, haven't even too. done
1: the bridge. Um yeah. And I think that it's okay for people like me to remind other people that are coming up in the industry that you don't have to. Because certainly some of the people that I've taught over the last however many years are like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go base jump. And a handful of them have said. Uh, because, and I'm like, Oh, okay, like, is this something you've always wanted to do and they're like, Oh, no, I just, I feel like I sh- I should and I'm like, you don't have to nope. like if it's, if it's not drawing you to that avenue of the sport, you are nothing less in this portion of the sport, and I have just as many base jumping friends as I have probably skydiving friends and they don't put me in this category that isn't them. So you don't need to. Um, the tough thing for me was getting into the sport when I did so immediately brought into the wingsuit community and like just a part of the family. And that was
0: 2017,
1: Mm. 2018. And that was a rough year um for yeah. base jumping and yeah. it was very hard to understand what was going on because people were losing their shit at the drop zone those couple of years with very high and and still to this day i mean top names still lost unfortunately yep. but very high end names and people, some of the first year, it was people that I didn't know. And I was like, what is going on Mm. in this community? Like people are losing it. Um, And then as I saw people coming through Paris and they come to train and they get ready for base season and I'm meeting people and then they're not coming back the following season, it was hard for me to recognize and like kind of understand and wrap my head around it. The other piece is I've come to realize that lack of currency kills in mm. base jumping. So I do think it's something I I'm all for people that are, are, are moving in that direction and have always wanted to base jump. And the experiences that I see them go through in their videos are phenomenal. And sure. I very much am interested. And then I'm like, mm, Nope, like pump the brakes because I work sometimes 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week and I've got this job and this career path and I've got other hobbies that I like to do. And if I'm not willing to commit to that path, lack of currency kills. And and I know that that isn't, it cannot be as big of a focal point in my life as I would feel that it needed to be. For me personally, I feel like it needs to take up more space in my life and I I don't have the ability to do that. And as such, I'm also completely happy with where I'm at and the skills that I'm developing and the fact that I can understand enough about it, uh, the skills, the glide ratios, the power, the energy retention that I think my place in the community can be when you want to, your progression is you want to wingsuit base. Okay, let's learn how to fly this wingsuit because I want you to come back the following season. Um, And not to say that I present myself as a base wingsuit coach. I very much do not. I will recommend you several other mentors. But if you want to be on that path and learn to fly your wingsuit to the best that you can, I'd like to think that I would be a part of that journey. Mm, Um, And I feel pretty comfortable in that.
0: It's uh, uh, all the high-end wingsuiters that I've had on the show and that are friends all say the same thing. And that's that 95% of the skills that they gain for all the stuff that they're doing base jumping happen out of airplanes. They're during skydives. All the stuff that they're doing off of cliffs, they're trained to do jumping out of airplanes. Uh, again, Danny Roman, who I just had on, he's like, 95% of the shit that I do, I'm jumping out of airplanes and then I take it to the cliffs. And currency is a huge thing. And it's... Um, I, I, it's not a rare thing. I think all jumpers know that currency is incredibly important, but when somebody gets so attracted to something like wingsuit base, I think people, um, turn a blind eye to their own currency in the desire to chase after something. And that's not say no to the jump. And there's always yeah. next year, you know, I mean, fuse. yeah, absolutely. I had to turn down a jump uh, last year. As a matter of fact, I was at base camp for skydive Everest, um, helping them doing ground crew stuff. And I'd been down uh, a post-surgery and they offered me a slot to go jump a once in a lifetime slot. And I had to turn it down because <laughs> I wasn't current. They're like, how current are you? And I'm like, I not. can't I, I I fucking can't do it I want to so bad but it's important to be able to do that and to know hey no I'm not at that yeah. point
1: yeah and like like I said it's just finding a place for that in in my everything else that I want to do like I want to I want to work on my, my pro rating and I just keep dabbling in it and not totally committing to it. And, and that's, that's what I want. I wanted my AFFI two years ago. That's what I got. And, you know, I don't need one more thing at this point in time. Um, you know, there's a few canopy pilots, mostly the crew dogs, uh, that are over at Skydive Elsinore. they taught me, uh, they got me into crew and I'm, also in love with that so that's <laughs> my new love i mean that's the wild thing is like i can there's plenty of ways that i can get hurt in this sport and i don't need to yeah. throw myself off a cliff i can go get myself wrapped in a bunch of an nylon doing crew um but like those guys i i trust and i trust the the other progression that i'm on there and the path and you know when they come to me and tell me that my canopy skills are top notch and well you know, maybe then i'll consider landing in a little p spot uh doing a base jump but but really i think it's going to come down to unfortunately when i say it terminal cancer and then maybe i consider it because <laughs> then i got nothing to lose um, but it's really it's just it's not on my mind um there's just so much else in this sport oh, yeah. um and then i've got going on in my life that like i i'm i'm still on cloud 9 doing all that stuff
0: so now balancing a full-time career i mean you're talking 40 60 hours a week which is just an insane schedule anyway and then every weekend out at the drop zone a f f wingsuit coaching and all that stuff you I think you told me pre podcast you're sitting in your boyfriend's gamer room in his gamer chair. Clearly, you guys have got other things that you do, but holy shit, you're so busy. Do you ever just go all right, fuck <laughs> I need yeah. a break oh i
1: melt down I melt down every once in a while um <laughs> people have gotten kind of used to that and then i um I just kind of take a pause um i I went on a week and a half vacation with Dan to Greece. And I needed that. I very much needed that at that point in time. Uh, I just spent this past weekend uh, with I'm in a book club with some girlfriends that are not skydivers. Uh, They love me for what I do, but they're not skydivers. I just spent an amazing weekend in Temecula at a crazy mansion. It's larger than I've ever seen Uh, walking around uh, wineries and and everybody in the community. I used to be so nervous about walking away from the drop zone, that I burnt myself out a couple years ago, that I felt that once I had a place in leadership that I needed to maintain it and never give it up and everybody needed me. And I took some time. uh, It took some time and a lot of burnout to recognize that I had been a part of creating something at the drop zone and that It was self-sufficient. I didn't need to be there. And as such, I could take weekends or weeks away. I could go get my AFFI. I could go do crew. I could go compete in nationals in crew. I could train for that. I could work on my pro rating and still be a mentor on the drop zone hmm. focused also on what I needed from the sport and not as much burnout as a result.
0: That's a big thing, right? I mean, uh, jumpers don't really talk about it and and uh, it's almost like um, it's a um, a nasty word when you say I'm getting a bit burnt out or I need a break. And that's not actually the case. I think most jumpers that have been in it for any length of time understand I did my, uh, my crazy couple of years uh, in the commune jumping lifestyle where you just never stepped away from it. It was 24-7 skydiving, and that's all you did and all the people that you hung out with and the only thing that you talked about. I remember I went to dinner with a, a group of skydivers once and made the suggestion, all right, let's see if we can make it through dinner without uh, talking about skydiving, and they're all like, fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah every yeah. one of them and, <laughs> which was
0: hilarious it. no can't do it there's no way um and I, I I realized um after that I'm like oh I need to step away to actually appreciate what I've gotten, and enjoy it and I think that's uh especially with people coming up I think they get super gung-ho which is awesome but they forget you need to kind of take a step back mental health yeah. days
1: yep Yep. And I and and I do those and I come back and I'm like oh, I want to I want to go to the drop zone. I yep. I want I want to do the thing. I want to be there and and I needed that and now it's it's okay.
0: Yeah. This <laughs> last year uh, I re- I retired from flying. I actually just passed my 1 year anniversary of retiring from flying jumpers full time. Um, and this is the longest I've been off of a drop zone in 29 years. And now, after a year, I'm starting to go ooh. Okay. <laughs> is there so yeah, yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in time. I'm in Finland, which has a very short skydiving season. But there's a wind tunnel, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna have to go to the wind tunnel. Wander
1: and, on over there. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah. something like that. But it's nice though that you're able to recognize. No, I need to take this time, and then your longevity is lifelong
1: it it took some time for me to realize that um but yes i mean i thankfully figured it out
0: (laughs) and the community doesn't go anywhere right i mean you've always got the community even if you're not jumping
1: yes yes i mean they're they're now my friends i mean it's not just a drop zone community they are me i am them um and we keep tabs on each other so now
0: your boyfriend does he jump
1: yes standpoint uh oh well there you is. go yeah okay
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah he's so, he's he's done one he's, or two
1: he's okay yeah you know <laughs> i made you spit that out <laughs>
0: yeah fair enough Fair enough. Yeah.
1: so no, what's he's, he's very good at what he does so
0: what's the what's the future look like for you what's uh long term have you thought about uh what's next in skydiving is there a um a big picture or is it just a year at a time season at a time type of thing
1: it's It's both. Um, So I'm sure a little bit of this will get into the talking about the the upcoming events and stuff like that, that we've got going on. But um, it's, it's, I want to push wingsuiting uh, and records and events. Uh, I've got a few of those that I'm focused on um, with some people and I, I want to keep playing that through. Uh, I've also got, I want to get back to some of my wingsuiting goals, um, and being a little bit more proficient myself. Um, so I'm taking some trips to, uh, focus on me and, um, getting better at canopy. I mean, canopy still is my thing that I, I would consider to be, not my best skill in the industry. And it very much should be because it's what saves your life. Mm. Uh, And so I want to continue to do the crew aspect and working on Canopy there. And my ultimate goal, what I think would be just amazing, would be to combine a lot of that together. And I want to get my pro rating and I want to do a wingsuit flyby on a flag video feed of me doing that into a stadium with pyro that's what i want and i'm gonna figure out how to make that happen and that's a that's a long ways forward but you know i've told a few people that if i ever say like hey let's uh let's go to this baseball game don't be late uh you should uh (laughs) you should you should probably go (laughs) because i'm gonna find my own way into the stadium um and then i'll see you in the seats afterwards
0: the coolest thing about that is that's a completely realistic goal it really okay. is. I mean, as especially as skydiving becomes more and more mainstream and more and more events and amazing teams like Highlight and and all these great things that are in the non-skydiving public view, just make opportunities like the one you just talked about so much more reasonable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's completely within my wheelhouse and uh, skill set to be able to grow into. I just got to
0: how cool is that? I do it,
1: yeah! I'm excited. One day it's going to happen.
0: So, what are the events <laughs> coming up?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, first up, um, well, so I do a lot of smaller camps, and these are uh, with the community that's coming up in uh, in Paris Elsinore. So, I do these little Let's Fly camps, and they're mini formation camps. And then you you kind of spend a little bit of time working in these mini formation camps, six to eight ways, and uh, you then eventually make your way into the big way camp that we do once a year and that big way camp also does big way night jumps and we've had a lot of fun doing that uh piece and nice. so um it's it's been uh a really cool thing to see people locally um watch the the present years flyers and want it and then a couple years down the road, they're in it and mm. they love it. So I've got a mini Let's Fly camp that I'm slating for the middle of November. Uh so I think there's a few people that are stoked about that. Uh the bigger one that's more my focus right now is a women's wingsuit world record. Nice. Um, and that is coming up second through fifth in November at SkyDive Paris. And the big thing with that is it's flat formations and Flat formations really aren't the jam anymore in wingsuiting. I mean, there's a lot of people that love them, but not a lot of people work hard on flying flat. Mm. And as such, it's tough to find enough people that are willing to commit to working on that skill set and doing it well. And the wingsuit, the women's wingsuit world record, we're going for 20, a 20 way. Um, and that is not the world record for wingsuiting. The world Mm. record for wingsuiting that's co-ed is significantly larger. It was like a five or six plane formation, uh, and 63, 64 wingsuiters. And it was phenomenal. And I was not a part of it. Uh, I was just getting into the sport as it was Mm. and not even wingsuiting. and. Since then, there hasn't been a lot. There's been some record, wingsuit records, but they've been a little bit smaller. And my hope is I've invited a group of women, um, since there isn't a record, a group of rad women to come out. We're going to hopefully crank out a 20-way world record for women. And then we're going to play around with How do we create new wingsuit records? That's Mm. my goal. And I think I've got a really great group of women coming out towards that. And uh, also a great group of men supporting it. Uh, Dan Dupuy and Will Kittle are flying camera for us. We've got a third um, as well. That's probably going to be on the assist when we start playing around with vertical formations and records. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, Melissa Nelson is like, you let me know when you start getting that footage and what you want to do, we're going to talk and we're going to present it and we're going to make this happen. Um, you know, Amy Shemilecki is like, yes, uh, I was on a re- women's record, just discussion, multidiscipline, And she's like, yeah, I get it. Like not a, he- a lot of interest, but if you can figure out how to change the industry, let's go um, yeah. make it happen. And so there's that. And then Scroll Wingsuits that supports me, always um you know been chatting with them a little bit about it like how do we make this happen how do we how do we flip that grid um what can you do about that and so it's been great to have a bunch of mentors but it's it's gonna be this fantastic group of women um working together uh figuring it out um and seeing what we can come up with and sure. trying to push the limits into new territory because at that point my ultimate goal for wingsuiting would be this uh, if we can get a vertical formation record option on the pallet i want to take the flat v and i want to do a multi point formation where it's a flat v to then an inverted V, (laughs) where you've got some people that flip down into backfly slots and some people that flip up into vertical slots. And that's my, that's my ultimate goal. I don't know, I'll retire on the back end of that if I can figure out how to get multi point flat and vertical formations into a record, Uh, mission complete, but you know, long journey.
0: Something tells me if you get that, you're just going to have another goal you're going to put out in front of yourself.
1: (laughs) Probably.
0: Uh, We've just met for the podcast, but I don't buy the I'm going to retire when that one's done shit. No, you're not. (laughs) You're going to keep going.
1: But yeah so I'm really yeah I'm really excited about that. The amazing potential. thing
0: is there there's so much potential always for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing in the sport. I mean I think there's been 20 times in the 29 years I've been in the sport that people are like this is it we can't do anymore. This is the plateau. And then somebody fucking does more and then more and then more and then more. And, and I think halfway through my time in the sport, I went, oh no, 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 there's no limit. It's just going to keep going.
1: (laughs) Parachutes keep getting
0: smaller. Everybody's going faster. Shit's getting cooler. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I mean, wingsuits are constantly changing. So, yep. and the canopies that we fly in order to keep us safe. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a thing. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the last one that I've got coming up is she flocks and I'm working on that with, uh, Jessica Burroughs and we, it's a third year that we're doing she flocks. So we did it in 2019 was the inaugural year, uh, skip 2020, 2020 was what 2020 was Indeed. Uh, came back <laughs> 2021, came back, did it again. Um, totally different ball game. We were still battling it out with COVID, um, hands down to the guys that supported us stepped in because we had, uh, coaches that were getting COVID and flyers that were getting COVID and it was chaos for a hot second there. And we were just running, running full, full bore. Um, but we made that one happen. And then we're really excited about 2023. So it's an all women's, um, you know, we've got six, six to eight, uh female coaches, wingsuit coaches that come in, fly base, give expertise. Um, and then we're doing six to eight-way groups all uh, for a three-day event in December at Paris. It's called Chief Locks, if I didn't mention that. Um and then we've got guys flying camera um helping us out, getting us uh debriefable footage. And the significance of events like that is just giving space and uh focus on the women in the industry, Mm. not to say that we need women's groups, but to the analogy that I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I was, I was kind of a town tomboy. Like, you know, I chased the guys around and wanted to keep up with my, my male cousins who were just the most amazing people um, that I knew they were just doing all sorts of cool stuff. And, you know, my friends as well, I, you know, you just want to keep up and, It's hard to then get focus and uh, develop sometimes. And so we see the benefit of this when in 2019, the stats in USPA were 13% women in the industry. We're now at 2021 stat up to 14%, but that's not a lot. And when you think about women trying to find a place and develop and grow And be a focus Uh, something like she flocks can hopefully have a stronghold and grow, and then all these women show up the intent is women come in have an amazing weekend learn some new skills talk to coaches that are doing this out there in the industry. You know on par with where the industry is going if not exceeding and excelling in it and they take that energy and that expertise and that knowledge and they go back to their smaller communities and they're the ones that can be a torch and mentor other people they can be what I was and even if it starts small find your little baby birds and um, take them in and let them grow not everybody can fly a good base not everybody can
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say uh, um, USPA only calls 14% female, but I can think of so many high profile names in the sport that are women. So yeah. yeah, 14% is not a large percentage, but out of that percentage, how many are fucking badasses?
1: Yes, yes. And that is... Which really
0: says something. It really fantastic. does.
1: You got to push. You got to push and make get yourself there. Um but that's also to, you know, not to say that, you know, recognizing talent and in the industry supports that. And Yeah, um,
0: absolutely. Well, that's I mean, I, I know that there's been uh, definitely an uphill battle for women in the sport, but uh, at least from my perspective, a badass is a badass regardless. It always has been and yeah. and uh, I, I like that it's just pushing harder to make that more prevalent throughout the sport.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For
0: sure. So, it's, it's how do so people <laughs> how do people find you on social media? How do they come get coaching from you? There's a somebody from the beginner skydiving forum right now is listening that hasn't got a single jump and they want you to be their AFF instructor. How do they find <laughs> you to come jump?
1: Well, I, I dabble in the school, but I'm not there every single weekend. So there's a strong chance that you, if you go into the skydiving program at Skydive Paris, you you may not have me, but I can certainly recommend all of the instructors there they've got you in good good hands but um i hail from Skydive paris so that's primarily where i'm at uh, i do i am on facebook so marie clark on facebook and then marie j clark on instagram um, you can message me i'm pretty good at messages good. <laughs> uh, and keeping up on the dms but uh let me know when you're coming into town Uh, The tough thing is, is yeah, I I'm there on the weekends. So I'm not a, I'm not your weekday coach. I don't have, uh, I've got vacation time, just like everybody else that works (laughs) a Monday through Friday job. And I probably don't want to start spending those days on doing wingsuit coaching. So you got to find me on the weekends and we book it up and we go from there, but I I absolutely love what I do. So Facebook, Instagram, and that's where I'm at.
0: Well, Marie, I'll tell you what, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and have a talk with me. I know you're you're sipping your coffee for the day. Um, but between that and everything that you've got going on, it's been a pleasure hearing about what's going on. And it's going to be very fun to see what comes next, including the record attempts and all that stuff. So thank you so much.
1: No, thank you. It's been a blast. Best morning ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, t- you take care, Marie.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the extreme sports collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs rigging courses, and more. by Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting edge stuff to come buy Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to TheLunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of The Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.